What's up? And welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 71. 71! The Taylor Hall episode. Too soon, dude. You're such Too a soon. douche. Listen, listen, I hope he's okay, dude. I haven't heard anything about his uh, his injury. I don't know how yeah, long he's, he's out for. He's out for the year, isn't he? Is he? I um, think... Yeah, yeah. I actually, now that you mentioned it, I do kind of remember hearing that. Um, yeah, but shout out Taylor Hall. Um, he'll always be a Boston Bruin. Uh, you know, he was made on. to wear the black and gold. Oh, he no, he no, he was actually like I to get him from Buffalo for Anders Bjork and what was it like a second round pick or something? Yeah, it was it was something silly like that. The, the Bruins, I mean, they had all the leverage. Uh, he wanted to come here, but um, wait, was was that you or was that Brett who was saying that um, Tage Thompson was supposed to be involved in that deal? That was, was that Brett. No, no, that was me. But it wasn't for that deal. It was for uh, Ryan O'Reilly. It was the Ryan O'Reilly uh, deal. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, they they Could had you imagine? dude. They could have either sent Cairo or Thompson, St. Louis, and they chose Thompson. And now look at the guy. They chose right. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Ryan Whitney on Spit and Chicklets compared him to Mario Lemieux. Like, did you see? Yeah, no, I, I heard that. And did you see um, uh, Jordan Cairo's redemption arc the other night? I did. And you know what? You know what's so weird about that? Like for the fan base, it's like <clears throat> it's like polar opposites. One night, all the like. Angry fans were in the building and they booed the hell out of Cairo. And then the next night, they explode when he scores. Oh fuck! Minnesota just scored. If, God if, damn it! If you're listening right now, um, obviously we're recording during the Minnesota Wild game. Um, former Bruin, actually, um, Marcus Johansson just put it in. I think actually, I think Pat Maroon got the assist say, too. Pat Maroon got a plus one there. <laughs> God damn it. JD coming out of the box. But yeah, all right. So there's our timestamp for where we're recording the game. So Pat, Pat Maroon got a plus one. He's now up to minus 20 on the season. boy, Patty. I mean, he knows it's a big game. Don Sweeney's, <laughs> Don Sweeney's scouting right now. He knows He knows Jack Edwards is up in the booth too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Jack we can get – if we can get – I mean, fuck, we're already on the topic. We might as well start talking about it. Would you go for Pat Maroon? Nope. All right, I'm thanks. Good. good. Close that conversation. We don't need no, no. Cameron in the team. And I think we've talked. I think we talked about that before. Oh, is there oh, a fight? Shit. Yeah, get him, Lauco. Oh, who is it, Lauco? Who's he fighting? This game is basically just play by play, or this episode is just <laughs> play by play. Oh, Lauco. Oh, have you? Oh my god. Just throwing him. Throwing oh, him. Throwing him. Is, oh my god. Bench. Damn. Um. I know we we just started talking about uh, something I don't remember, but um, I wanted to mention now that we're on the topic of fights. What did you think about the Frederick and Truba fight the other day? It was so underwhelming. I'm not gonna lie. I know. No, listen, I, I, Truba. I was sorry. I'm eating cashews. I was talking to my dad about <laughs> Truba, and yeah. like, I feel like you ask guys around the league, and he's almost at the top of everybody's list of guys they really don't want to fight. <clears throat> I mean, the guy's a hammer back there. Um, I don't remember who it was. I don't remember who the Rangers were playing, but there was um, like a game like last week or something. Somebody made like a dirty hit or something, and Truba went over to like you know ask the guy to drop the mitts, 
shout out Chris Davis. And, uh, and, and the guy was like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm going to keep moving on. And they asked him about it in the post game. Like, oh yeah. Like, like what Truba say to you? He's like, oh, he wanted to fight me. Like, you didn't want to fight him. And he's like, no, I'm not fighting Truba. What are you crazy? Yeah. And, it, uh, and obviously you knew that something was probably going to happen after the last Bruins Rangers game when he just, you know, took the lightsaber and tried to chop off Trent Frederick's head. Um, yeah. Yep. But, you know, Frederick's, the, I guess he's the Bruins enforcer now. I mean, he doesn't have to play that role, but he definitely can at times. And uh, he definitely didn't lose that fight, but I wish it was a little longer. Even though the fight was like five seconds, I would say that Frederick got the better of him. Yeah, no, he definitely did. Um, would you, okay, so since we're talking about Frederick kind of being the enforcer, fighting the guys, whatever, do you like him playing that role? Like, I don't know if it, it seems kind of forced upon him sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, and that's why, like, I don't, I don't think it's about him having to play that role or not. Like, I think, I think that's who he is as a player. That's who he was when he first came up to the Bruins. That's who he was at moments last year. Like, he has an edge to his game, and I think that's what makes him so valuable. Valuable because you either have it or you don't. And um, like, that doesn't mean he has to go out there and be the Bruins enforcer every night because that's not his game. But I love when he plays with edge, and I love when he's oh, yeah. leveling guys, when he's yapping, when they're playing the Kings, and he's you know gets done with a fight and he's screaming at the team's bench when he's dropping the mitts. Shout out Chris Davis with Jacob <laughs> Truba. Like I I love that part of his game, and um, I don't think it's a, it's it's about him having to commit to that role. I just think that like, that's part of his game that I don't want him to have to hide or shy away. Like he had 18 goals last year. He wasn't fighting as much. He was, and that's awesome. But like, if you can find a way to still put the puck in the back of the net while keeping that competitive edge, not saying that he wasn't last year, but you know, he's more physical through the first quarter of this season than he was last year. That's yeah. the part of his game that I love. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm trying to think of comparisons, right? Because obviously in our era, when we grew up watching the team, Sean Thornton was the enforcer. Like he wasn't mm -hmm. he wasn't going out there producing. Um, Frederick can produce. So I'm trying to think of a comp and maybe it, it might not be spot on, but just off the top of my head, I'm thinking I'd like to see him play more of a role like Campbell. You know what I mean? Like penalty killer, he can skate, he can produce sometimes. Um, maybe even a Pie. Actually, you know what? Pie might be a better comp for Trent Frederick. And I'm sure there's some people screaming at their radios right now. Trent Frederick is a lot feistier though than Danny Pie yes. was. Yes. Pie can, but I think like it, it, it's like gone are the days of the traditional enforcer. Like you're, yes. you're not gonna find a, like every team had that guy, a Sean Thornton. Not everybody was as good as what they did as Sean Thornton was, but every team had a guy who you know, oh, somebody bumped the captain, so and so swinging the legs over the boards because you know he's going out there to fight. Like you, you just don't see that anymore. And honestly, what you're seeing a lot more now are the your power players who are who can score the puck and <clears throat> punch somebody's face. And you got the Kachuk brothers. I mean, Frederick is an example of that. Like you're seeing a lot more players like that, which you really haven't before. So I don't know who would be a player comp for Trent Frederick. I think he's a hard nosed player who gets his, who gets, you know, his, uh, his grill right in the crease. And I think he can be an intimidating, intimidating player to play against. And I think in that sense, he has shades of, he's not, I'm not saying they're the same player. I'm saying he has shades of a little bit of Makachuk in his game where he's going to, he's feisty. He's going to go after you. He's a bulldog. He'll drop the mitts. And he's also a, a finesse player where he can, I, every time I say drop the mitts, I want to say shout out Chris Davis. <laughs> and at the same time, he can also put up points, not to the extent that Makachuk, I'm not saying he is, but I'm oh! just saying it, that's kind of a, Oh, stop. You're like six seconds ahead of me. Shit, I'm sorry. Stop. Let's go. All right. So this, this episode's going to have a lot of random yells and screams in it. 
Um, but no, I, I, you know what? Hang on, I'm just gonna cut this part. You gotta get a tweet out. Yeah. Ooh, I almost just tweeted it from the primetime account. <laughs> Let's go, pasta, dude. Let's fucking go, baby. That's what we need. That is what we need. It's in the MF sauce. Um, yeah, so obviously, I mean, dude, that's what we need. Like, pasta score right there. What were we, what were we even, what were we talking we're, about? Tra- we're talking Tra- about Trent Frederick. Frederick and trying to give him a player call. I said, I don't know, I don't think I'm going to regret it. I said, I see little inklings of Makachuk in his game. He's a hmm. poor man's Makachuk, I think. That's right. Like, he, I can see what you're talking about. Like, his feistiness, his aggressiveness. Um, yeah, his snarl, you know, like, he'll, every, every time he gets on the ice, you know what you're going to get from Tread Frederick. He's going to go 110%. He's going to be hard in the corners, and he might pick up a goal or two here and there. Now, Makachuk picks up a goal or two here or there a lot more often than Tread Frederick does, but, you know, minus the scoring and 100-point seasons from Makachuk, I feel like the way that they approach the game every time they step on the ice is the same. They're going to try to put, put pucks in the back of the net, and they're going to try to be really hard to play against every night. And I yeah. think in that sense, they have similarities. Yeah, 100%. Like, obviously, he's not going to produce like a Chuck, but I, I see what Uh-oh. you're saying. Um, but we're kind of burying the lead here a little bit. Matthew Patra is officially being loaned to Team Canada for the World Junior Championship. Um, he's going to play. He's going to play alongside guys like uh, Macklin Celebrini. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Macklin, dude, he's so gross. I was oh, saying, that's all you had to say there. Potra and Celebrini, and I'll be tuned yeah. in. <laughs> no, Macklin Celebrini, um, Owen Beck, um, obviously. Denton Matechuk, Maverick Maverick Lam- Oh my god, Canadian I can't <laughs> Denton Matechuk, Maverick Lamero, Tristan Leno, um Matthew Rufa, Samuel St. Hilaire, um Easton Cowan, Nate Danielson, Jordan Dumas, Connor Geeky, Shadow Geek Squad, um, Fraser Minton, Carson Raykopf, Matthew Savoy, uh, Matthew Wood, Braden Yeager. This team is actually so disgusting. That might be the most French-Canadian team I've ever heard in my entire life, all the names that you just read off. (laughs) Dude, it's not even like my tongue was too big for my mouth saying those names. Now, what what line is Potter going to be on? He's got to be first. It's and then, so I was reading. I was reading some uh, scouting reports for Team Canada, and they're saying that without Patra there, Macklin Celebrini was slotted in to be the number one C, but they're thinking about moving Celebrini to the wing. So you could see a line of dude. You could see a line of Patra, Celebrini, and I mean, name any of those guys. Owen Beck. Uh, Connor Geeky's a center, so he's not going to be there. But I mean, Matthew Savoy too. Fuck, Matthew Wood. That's a that's Brady Yeager. 
Oh my god, what a team! That's a fun team, and I'm happy for Patra. But you know, it's gonna suck losing Team USA in the gold medal round, of course. But <laughs> you know, like I, I think everybody has their opinion on the Patra matter. If he should have went, if he shouldn't have went, the way that I saw it was like go like I, like go do your thing like i'm happy yeah. for the kid i tweeted it the other day I, i'm not saying he's ever going to be good enough to play for the canadian olympic team hopefully he is someday but even if he is he's not going to get the opportunity to because we talked about this a couple episodes ago because nhl players can't go to the olympics so this could very well be the last chance he's ever going to get to represent his country on the international stage and that means a lot to people. If I was in his shoes, I mean, Canada is, I know lacrosse is the official sport of Canada, but it's hockey is the unofficial sport of Canada. It's a religion up there. And to be honored and to be selected to represent your country on the biggest stage, I mean, hockey is everything to Canada. And And to be able to be a top line center for the Canadian team like it's a no-brainer he's going to want to go and honestly big ups to the Bruins too for respecting his decision and giving him the opportunity to I don't remember who who uh, wrote the article or, or who tweeted it but I know um, it was his decision and he really wanted it and he was the one who was pushing Sweeney to let him go and the Bruins said okay you can go and do your thing so I'm happy for him I can't wait to see him play over there I think that this is some of the most talent that's been going over to the World Juniors in forever usa is a wagon canada's really good and it's cool too celebrating you just said he's playing in in hockey east I mean, you can we can drive down the street and see him every night and that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. um so you know it's gonna be a, a cool tournament to play and i'm happy for patra the bruins are gonna miss him but i'm happy for him you could tell this is what he wanted to do and he's gonna do it on the world's biggest stage yeah that's the thing too like i don't think it's a secret obviously that I mean, Jim Montgomery is utilizing him in a very specific way. He's limiting his minutes. You hardly, if ever, see him in the third period. And I'm sure in in Patra's mind, that has to be frustrating, right? Like, you you can't be sitting on the bench for an entire third period watching your team play, and, and you're not going out there, and you know you're not going out there. And that has to be frustrating for him. So I feel like for the Bruins to loan him to Team Canada, right – and let him play, let him be the number one guy on that team in terms of, you know, center depth, be that number one C, drive a line with guys like Celebrini or Matthew Wood, Braden Yeager, whoever is going to be on his off wing. Um, Let him go there. Let him kind of de-stress a little bit because he's 19. Like, this is his first full NHL season. He probably didn't even expect to be here, so he's going to be stressed. He's not playing thirds like – it's still a learning curve for him, even though he's playing well. So to, to allow him to kind of clear his mind, go play with his buddies to represent his country, hopefully light it up and gain some of that, you know, scoring touch back a little bit. You know, the, like the, the touch that we saw in the beginning of the year, if he can regain that kind of touch and maybe play with a little bit more, you know, confidence and not squeeze his stick too hard and, and overthink things a little bit, like – I think it's going to be very, very, very beneficial, not only for him, but for the, the, the Bruins as well. Yeah, you know, and like, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's been in, he's he has been in the doghouse, obviously, right, but right. Uh, because of, you know, his age and everything that's been going on here. But I mean, it's no secret he's been getting benched every game or so. And I'm sure, you know, if you're a young player and you're getting benched seemingly every game, you know, you're a, a, a planned scratch 
again a healthy scratch against the Sabers, which sucked because we were there. Um, but like I, that gets, I'm sure that gets to your head, and I'm sure you know when that those games start adding up, the benching start adding up. You maybe you start thinking, oh shit, you know what, what's going on? I'm getting frustrated, even though the coach is saying all the right things. And despite all that, for the Bruins to grant his wish and say yes, go represent your your country and Team Canada, like that must have felt really good for Padra. Like I'm sure he probably left that beating while over the hell we talked to Sweeney and got the go-ahead. And I'm sure he must have been stoked to be a Boston Bruin because not every team is letting their young guns go over there and play for Team Canada like the Bruins are. Um, and I know a lot of people, too, have been upset about, you know, he's he's not going to, you know, he he's better off getting NHL reps over here. He's better, like, it, it doesn't make sense for him to play against, you know, uh, step down in competition going from playing against NHL players to now playing against 18, 19-year-old international kids. Um and to that, I say, dude, like, just let the kid have fun, man. Like, he just like he just wants to go play hockey for Team Canada. Like, it's for a couple weeks, or I don't, I think it's for a couple weeks. Um, he just wants to play for Canada. Like, just go let him do his thing. And I understand, like, like he can get hurt, and I know the injuries happen and stuff, and that would really suck if you know, God forbid, Potch went over there and picked up an injury. But like, he's nineteen. This is going to be the only chance he's going to get to represent his country. He really wants to go. Who cares if he's stepping down a level? Who cares if you're not going to have him for a couple weeks? I'm happy for the kid. Go let him do his thing. And I think if the Bruins can't, if the Bruins fall into a major slump because Matthew Patra is playing in Sweden right now for Team Canada, they have bigger issues than we thought. Like if they can't pick up the slack because Patra's gone for a couple weeks, that's a red flag. Like the Bruins should be fine. They're playing Minnesota right now. They're looking pretty good. I know it's 1-1, but... um, I'm happy for the kid and I'm, and I'm pumped that I think the Bruins made the right decision letting him go. Yeah, I do too. Um, I mean, we, we could, we could dive through the the previous three games um, really quick. The Bruins, obviously they lost to the devils. Um, they beat the Islanders in what was a strangely exciting game for what was a New York Islanders hockey game. And it was a strangely exciting game for us too, because we were doing the primetime preview. Of course, it was you, me, yes. as well as the, as well as the only Bruins boys, Brett and Boost. We were joined by a bunch of different guests. We had Berg, sorry, Burge come in. We had Ace come in. We had the professor of puck himself come in. He gave us four bets. Three of them hit. Three of them. I made some money that day. I'm not going to lie to you. I threw money down in every single bet he made. And when he left the live stream, I was looking at my account. I said, okay, I just placed four bets. I have $7 left in my <laughs> DraftKings account. If these don't hit, I'm screwed. And and 75% of them did. And then I blew almost half of it the next day on, or Sunday on bets during football. But yep. that's the life yep. of a better baby. I did the same thing, and then uh, I forget the bets that I made, but I lost like half that money that I made that night. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, just yeah. the way hey, it's the way the cookie crumbles, dude. <laughs> DraftKings always gets me. Um, but yeah, obviously, so the Bruins lose to the Devils, win against the Islanders, and then lose to the Rangers. Um, all three of those games went to extra time, <clears throat> but. I mean, they're, they're not playing bad. They're not playing great. It's kind of like I I don't know what to expect from this team every night. Are they going to be, you know, putting in four or five goals or is it going to be a two to one game? Like it, it's it's really weird. Yeah, no, I know. And I what I was going to say, do you think that has the like the inconsistency of of gameplay? Do you think that has to do with the inconsistency of the lines? that Montgomery throws out there. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. And I wouldn't be surprised. And it's not just that too, but 
it almost seems like every other game or so, somebody is injured. Like somebody is fighting something, whether it be somebody gets scratched. McAvoy has been missing time. Zaka was out. That was almost a really cool play. They were just showing the replay over there. Holy shit. Dude, he tried to do the, do the Michigan there. You see that? Dude, out of anybody. Like, Lauco? Like, imagine if yeah, Lauco yeah. did the Michigan. <laughs> um, but I know, you know, the game against the Rangers, it sucked because they were winning one nothing for most of the game. They got a point out of it and lost in overtime. But I feel like when you... When you think about it, like they're playing, the record indicates that the Rangers are the best team in hockey. You're going in, oh no, sorry, they were home that game. You're playing the Rangers the night after on a back-to-back. They just got home from Long Island the night before, a game that went into extra time. They're without their first line center. They're without Charlie McAvoy. The Rangers are looking good. They're they're thriving. They're going, they're hot right now. Adam Fox came back. And uh, to play the way the Bruins, I didn't think that they sucked. Not, I thought that they played better last night than they did the first time they played the Rangers. I mean, sorry, I thought they played better on Saturday against the Rangers than the first time when they got pumped like 7-4. to four, And the Bruins didn't even have Charlie McAvoy or Pavel Zaka this game. So, yep. you know, I, I think, it. you know, you look at the, uh, the last three games and all three of them went into extra time and, and all that. But I think when you take a step back and you look at like where they're at right now, I'm like I'm feeling good. I th- it's a, like, you know, I, I think you, you can take a lot more out of that Rangers game than just chalking it up as, damn it, we lost in overtime and let the game get away from us. I think there are other factors, too. Yeah, no, I think so, too. Um, but obviously, Charlie McAvoy and Pavel Zakar are back tonight. So that's that's awesome to see. And I was thinking this, too. Like, if Zaka was going to be out for a prolonged period of time, like maybe a month, month and a half, I don't think they send Patra. So that alone right there is is just you know a blessing but um but now though with potragon i know we were just saying if they can't survive potragon gun this team has some bigger some bigger <laughs> fish to fry yeah. if zaka gets hurt again or if coil gets hurt or if one of these guys gets hurt then you're kind of then you're screwed <laughs> because now you're down two centers and you got to call somebody up or you got to move somebody to off the wing and that opens up a can of worms so speaking about that, there was uh, there was some comments made by AHL head coach um, Ryan Mujanel about Fabian Lysel. Um, I don't know if you, if if you don't know the the play that I'm referencing in this, um, Fabian Lysel basically took the puck and went one on four and almost scored. Like he actually cut through the defense pretty swiftly. Granted, he didn't get the. I think he got the shot off, but he didn't score. So Ryan Mujanel did not like uh, um, the effort there from Fabian Lysel. He actually said he hated the play, and he was quoted as saying this about Fabian Lysel. Um, I can't find it. Because I'm on, because I'm a moron. Okay, he said this. He said he's got to start buying in, or he won't play for Jim Montgomery. Now, this quote alone, and shout out to uh, Black and Gold Productions for getting that quote out there. But um, that alone doesn't really do it justice. So shout out to uh, Gail Troiani. She works for Nesson. Uh, she's a writer. She covers the games. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. And she had an opportunity to write this. And 
This is going to be a little bit long-winded. But Bruins general manager Don Sweeney told reporters he was at the game at the Amica Mutual Pavilion that Brian Mujanel referenced and expanded on the coach's assessment. Here's Don Sweeney's quote. I certainly heard Mujanel's frustration after the game as we sat down for about 20 minutes. Sweeney said, per team provided transcript. (laughs) Hang on, let me restart that part. So here's Don Sweeney's quote. I certainly heard Ryan Mujanel's frustration after the game as we sat down for about 20 minutes. The team played very well in the first period. Their pace was up. Execution was good. Fabian was a big part of that. He scored a nice goal on the power play with a downhill shot. Managed the puck really well. So it sounds like that that quote by Ryan Mujanel was kind of taken, you know, people people took it and, and ran with it. Um, but obviously Don Sweeney has a different – uh, perspective on it, saying Lysel actually drove the play. Um, he liked the way, you know, he liked what he was saying, and he was a big part of that. So there seems to be some kind of <laughs> disconnect, I guess, maybe between Fabian Lysel and the way he plays his game and the way that the AHL coaching staff wants him to play his game and maybe develop him as a player. And I don't. <laughs> I don't under I, like I don't know if I necessarily have like a like a stance on this. I just think it is what it is. That's what Ryan Mujanel said, um, and he wants Fabian Lysel to round out his game more than focus purely on offense. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I thought that the, um, <clears throat> if the quote was just. Like I've seen people talk about it too, and a lot of people are just cherry picking that quote where he said, "How do you say his last name?" Uh, Mujanel. 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 Oh, Very Italian. Very Francois. Yeah. Gee, yeah. Oh, Mama, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Eastern uh, or Western European. Right? <laughs> um, um, no, I think if you if you just cherry pick that stat that line where he says you know, uh, so you know Jim wouldn't like that or won't fly with Jim or whatever. It it does not look good. Obviously, I think if you can read between the lines, it sounds like it's being a little condescending. Um, he's being it's just I don't know, it just sounds like he's kind of attacking Lysel's game. But I listened to the full quote um put out that B and G that you just mentioned was able to put out there. And he's being critical of Lysel's game, but I don't know if what he's saying is wrong. Like it, it I like my take on the play, and for people who haven't seen the play, is Fabian Lysel picked the puck up, he's skating over the red line, he goes in one on four, he makes a nice move, he gets in front of the net, falls down, penalty, he drew a penalty. It's a good play in the grand scheme of things. He, the guy's going to the box because of he was trying to stop Lysel. And um basically the coach of Providence was saying, Oh, like we 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 need to get that out of his game. And he was literally saying, You can't go in the zone one on four, you have teammates, you need to use your teammates, you need to buy into the system what we're trying to do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that and what he said. I think that that's the yeah. philosophy that he coaches with. And 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 yeah. albeit he wants to, as the coach of the Providence Bruins, you want to win as many games as you can. You want to win the Calder. I get it. But that's not what Jim Montgomery and Don Sweeney want you to do. They want you to develop these guys. So right. I think when he's taking a standpoint and he's talking about Lysel, the player, and he's not so much talking about you know how he's um, – um, being detrimental to the score sheet 
or how he's hurting the team. He's talking about how his game, what he can do to improve himself as a player to help get to the next level with Jim Montgomery. That's the way that I took it. I understand people didn't take that take it the same way because I thought that the way the way that the, that he said that, like the tone, and I just it did come off a bit con. Oh, pasta, pasta again. Second goal of the night, baby. Yeah. Um, no, I think that the, the way that he said it def- definitely came off a bit condescending. And I think if you've never had a coach that's like that, y- you would probably think the same way. But I didn't think it anything other than just his style of coaching. I think that he was just blunt with the media. I'm sure he's probably said a lot of this stuff to Lysel's face. I'm sure it's not new to him. And yeah. um, like, it's not like, you know, like Lysel is getting pushed out. It's not like he's not developing. It's not like he's from what I've heard, he's not a cancer in the locker room. He's not ruining the Providence Bruins mojo. He's developing. And I think that, you know, the coach knows that this is one of the blue chip prospects in the system and he just wants to see him be be the best player he can be. And that's what I chalked it up as. Yeah. I mean, if you a lot of unnecessary drama, I think, I think, I think so too. Like, do you right now with Providence? I mean, um, he's got 17 points in 23 games. He's a, um, Sorry, one second. He, he's a positive player, and I know plus minus is kind of outdated, but, like, do you see him getting called up anytime soon? Like, who do you think gets called up first, Mikulov or Lysel? I think it all depends on what the need is. Okay. I think I think if a center goes down while Potra's away, or God forbid two centers go down, I think it makes sense to call up Mikulov. But I think... You know, if all systems firing, the Bruins are healthy and maybe they want to bring up some guys come playoff time or when it gets close to the end of the season or they just want to get some guys, some legs in the and with the big club. From what I've heard, I think it would make more sense to call up Lysel. Yeah, I think so too. And they're like I'm and sure I also I also want to pref I also want to preface too. I'm not like I, I know a lot more about Lysel than I do about Merkulov. Um sure. just from like what I've seen on Twitter and from the people that I follow, they've been more closely watching Lysel than they have Merkulov because Merkulov hasn't really come on until the last 12 to 18 months where it's been like Lysel. I mean, he was the only prospect in the system forever. Like, Jesus Christ, I could tell you the guy's hometown, Sweden. Like, I've <laughs> we've been waiting for this guy to come forever. So, I don't know. But I think that they have two guys there who can be a difference maker. And I think to, to Lysel's defense, too, I think that, you know, Providence's coach, I'm not even going to try to say his name again. I know I just asked how to say it. But- I will say... He's from Scarsborough, Canada, so he's Canadian. Lysel is? No, no. Oh, no, 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 Mujanel. Yeah, um, Lysel, Lysel's actually from Dorchester. <laughs> he's a Weymouth kid. That's why yeah, I definitely liked the, him so much. He played for the South Shore Kings. <laughs> um, oh, damn it. I forgot what the hell I was saying. What was I saying? My, my bad. Um, Lysel and Merkulov. Oh, yeah. I was going to say... Um, uh, Coach of Providence, I know he was being a bit critical of Lysel because of his play style, because of the way that he skated in one-on-four. Like, picture in your head a guy just attacking his own one-on-four. That's not – what you just thought is not what happened at all. Like, when I heard, you know, Lysel attack his own one-on-four, I was like, okay, there's four guys in there. The whole team's getting a change, and Lysel's just, just screw it, just going for it and trying to weave through it. That's not what happened at all. I mean, he picked up the puck on the red line in transition. There was four guys in the zone. He beat the first guy, got all the way in the crease, and, like, he tried to make a play out of nothing. 
And some players try to do that and some players don't. When I think of who does that, like that's David Posternock's play style in a T. He turns a puck over like crazy and he can also put 60 of them in the back of the net and nobody criticizes him for that. And I know, I know to compare David Posternock and Fabian Lysel is a ridiculous overstatement, but I just think that that's Lysel's play style. I think he's flashy. He's twitchy. He makes shit happen when he's on the ice and has a puck on a stick. He's an electric player. And I think... The trade-off with that is that sometimes he's going to do shit like that where he tries to make an extra play or he maybe goes in on a one-on-three or he might uh, try to force a pass that isn't there. And you want to get that out of their game, but at the same time, sometimes those are the plays that make him so special because when they do connect, oh my God, do you have a player on your hands? So I think there's a fine balance between trying to get that out of his game and trying to mold that into the player who he can be. And I think that's what Providence's coach is kind of trying to wrangle with right now. And honestly, you know what? Now that the more that we're, the more that we're talking about it, right? And the more that I'm thinking about it, to me, that just shows me that he's hungry. Like, he doesn't want to be down there anymore. Like, Fabian Lysel has always been that kind of offensive spark plug, and that's why he's been a number one prospect in our system for for a really long time, like you were saying. But I feel like now we're seeing more of these clips where he's just taking the puck in, skating, and just trying to cut through everybody. And I don't know if I would chalk that up to him being frustrated necessarily, right? But that might be him saying – like fuck, dude! Like I'm so sick of being here. Like I'm, I, 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 in my mind, I feel like I deserve to be up with the Boston team. Like I don't want to play in Providence anymore. Yeah. And like that's him, just like kind of just taking the puck and being like, "Fuck it!" Like I am gonna just show off what I do best, and that yeah. could be a good thing and a bad thing. But yeah, and 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 to your point too, like like. I haven't. I don't think I've watched a single Providence Bruins game. In fact, I know I haven't watched a single Providence Bruins game this year. I've seen plenty of highlights on Twitter, yep. and the way that their coach was talking about Lysel in this instance, you could it, you could tell this wasn't the first time that Lysel has tried to play hero ball. Like this isn't right. the first time he's tried to do something like that. So to your point, you could be right. Maybe he is getting frustrated. And frankly, I would be too if I saw like Lauko and Lori and Patra and Beecher and all these guys. He didn't even spend time with, with – he probably doesn't even know – he probably never met Patra because the guy came right from the OHL and stepped foot in the NHL. And right. I'm sure if if you're Lysel and, like, you were drafted by Boston before Lori was, you know, you were in Providence when Lauko was, you've been in Providence the entire time Peacher was, and you've been in Providence for the last couple of years and Patra never even stepped – he never put on a Providence Bruins jersey and suddenly all these guys are getting called up over you. I would be getting frustrated as well. And like, I'm not saying that Lysel deserves a spot because there's clearly parts of his game. He still needs to work on. But I think to your point, if he were to be getting frustrated, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. If he's watching all of his friends get called up before he is. Cause he's never it, even played a game. He's never even played a, a game for the Boston Bruins. And here are these guys getting called up left and right. Right. And, and it's not like he's, it's not like he's had bad seasons either. Like last year, in in Providence, fifty four games played, thirty seven points. That's a good. That's a that's a good production pace. This year so far, twenty three games played, seventeen points. Um, I will say, in his first season, he was a minus twelve. And I, I again, I know plus minus is outdated, but I don't have time to look up all the analytical stats right now. <laughs> um, and then this year, he's a he's a he's a scratch. He's a plus zero. Um, but when you look at it, the Bruins team, right? Like 
a big knock on this year's lineup is your your secondary scoring, right? Like you need a top six winger in your lineup to solidify the scoring. You can't keep putting Marshawn and Pasta together. That clearly does not work. And then with Jake DeBrusque not producing, then it's just kind of having an extra body out there. Granted, he's doing everything right. It's just he's not getting the points. But still, I mean, we're what, 30 games in now, right? Like maybe 30, 31. And what is how many points does Jake DeBrusque have? Like you can't keep saying that, you know, it's the production's gonna come. The production's gonna come. You can't keep saying that because we're almost. I mean, we're we're not. This is the the the, the game. Jesus, the game tonight against Minnesota is the thirtieth game of the year, and right now, DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque sitting at eleven points. Like. Dude, what the you're hell? Playing, you're, <laughs> you're playing top six minutes, dude. Trent Frederick has more points than you. Matthew Potra, 19 years old, has more points than you. JVR walking around on a crutch has more points than you. It's like we're leaning on you to have a big year. And number one, it's your contract year. You should be motivated as hell trying to do anything you can to get those numbers up. And I'm not saying he's not trying, but how much of his production last year really was Patrice Bergeron? Was was that a major factor? Because if it was, who is Jake DeBrusque? Who is Jake DeBrusque and what in the hell is the front office going to do? Because it's, it's, it's up in the air. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that was something, too, that you and I were talking about um, before the season started. It's like... <laughs> You know, everybody was saying last year was the big year for DeBrusque. Last year, we finally got to see who he was. You know, he got those that top line minutes. And the whole year, like that's – sorry, I'm trying to fix my hat. The whole year, like that was that was a presumption. And, and we were saying it was such a big year for DeBrusque because he's finally getting his opportunity. He's waited for he's, – he's getting first line minutes with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, and he was rewarded for it. He was like – he had like 51 and 57 or something. He was like a nosebleed away from a point per game player. Um, yep. If he if he didn't miss an entire month, you're looking at a guy who could – he was itching towards 35 goals. I think he had 27 goals last year. I mean, career numbers across the board. And we were saying last year this, this was his biggest year and he answered the bell. And you look at this year and now with no Bergeron coming into this year, now you're looking at Jake DeBrusque. Um, the way that everything was kind of slotted up, we thought he was going to, you know, be playing second line minutes. Him, Coyle, and and JVR as your second line were saying, oh, wait, no, actually, I think this is looking like it's going to be his biggest year because we're going to see if he can build off what he did last year, that offensive production. And for what it was worth, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was saying, no, I think like the Jake DeBrusque we saw last year, I think we saw different flashes of, of his offensive game. He was doing more than just scoring the puck. He was playing great defense. He was also making plays with his vision. And I was excited to see what he could do this year, driving his own line. And you just read his stats. He's got 11 points in 28 games. What does he have, five goals? Are you kidding me? He's got one more point than Morgan Geeky. He has one more point than Danton Heinen. No offense to those players, but like Jake DeBrusque is a guy. Looking at his numbers last year, this is a six, six and a half million dollar player. Like that, that's if he can do what he did last year every year, that's the kind of player you're looking at. And to come in this year, Holy hell, like the guy cannot find the back of the net. And given like he's not like it's not like you you put Jake DeBrusque out there and you're going, oh, shit, here we go again. He's playing good hockey. He just he can't score. And 
the other parts of his game, like the he's playing great defense, he's pretty good in the transition game. That's valuable, but the, the point of the game isn't to back check. Like the point of the game is to score. And if you right. can't put the puck in the back of the net, and if you're having trouble creating offense when you're out there, his number seems his price next year is going down seemingly with every game that he plays at this point. And um, like I. I to your point, I have no idea what they do with Jake DeBrusque. I don't think they can trade him. I don't think that they're looking to trade him because I don't even think the Bruins know what his value is. But they're sure as hell not going to give him the amount of money that he, I'm sure he wanted to begin this season. And I think that's been evident by these contract talks that have seemingly paused and stalled and restarted and gone back like every 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 couple weeks for the last three months. It's felt like they've talked and then they've stopped. And then like Jake DeBrusque called Don Sweeney. He didn't answer. Like something's <laughs> going on. I don't think anybody knows what his value is right now. And I think that's kind of thwarting everything at this moment. Yeah, dude. Like I, I go through it in my mind every day, right? Like you're right. At the end of last year, he was probably looking around like maybe somewhere between say four and a half and six. That's probably, and, and at the end of last year, you'd be like, yeah, like that's a fair deal. And then you see this and it's like, can you even justify more than three and a half, four max. Like, no. I wouldn't give him four. No, I wouldn't either. Like, the it's such an – he has the weirdest, most inconsistent, like, career ever. And it – I used to be on the side of you don't get rid of this guy. You don't move him. Like, he's your guy. You keep him. You trust him. This year was his year to prove that, and he's doing everything but. And you're right. He's playing well. I'm, neither of us are saying he's not. Neither of us are saying he's not playing well. But if you're playing in a top six role and you're expected to be playing – I mean, he's averaging 17 minutes a night on ice – that's a lot. That's that, those are top six minutes, and if you're doing that, you have to be putting up at least half a point a game, at least like a fifty to sixty, sixty, at least like fifty to fifty-five point season at minimum. And he's not even close. He's not even close, dude. I know, and and like honestly, like it's a secondary point, but what makes it hurt a little more too is now that Zaboral's gone and Seneshin's gone and Jake DeBrusque is all we have left from that 2015 first round draft class and is he going out the door is he getting traded I don't know what the hell is going on but um like it seems like every day and I know it was almost 10 years ago now but like every day that draft just gets worse the first round I'll say because everyone's got Carlo in the second round was that the year that they got Swayman uh no Either way, they got Carlo in the second round as a top four D guy, but man, that first round, it sucks. I know, dude. I fucking hate talking about that. But I mean, um, he Jeremy Swayman though. Um, he was drafted. Uh, one second, Jeremy Swayman was drafted in the 2017 draft. He was the fourth round pick, 111th overall. Um, but I think I'm ready to say. Because I think – I do think that the Bruins end up trading for Lindholm and Hannafin. I think that's their go-to move, whether it happens or not. I think that's what their number one 
action is on the board. And I think a part of that's going to be Jake DeBrusque. And if you see him move, you bring in Lindholm, you bring in Hannafin. That's when you can maybe see a guy like Merkulov or Lysel get called up. Lindholm, you go Lindholm. Or maybe even Zaka stays in that 1C spot, right? You go Zaka, Lindholm, uh, Coyle, Beecher down the middle. Let me ask you this, though, because <clears throat> obviously okay. Hannafin – not Hannafin, sorry. Elias Lindholm to the Bruins has been popular talk on Twitter for it's felt like the last two to three years at this point. Um, and I don't remember who it was. It might have been Brett. But somebody was talking about Hannafin. Uh, I keep saying Hannafin, Jesus Christ. Lindholm to the Bruins. And and is do you, do you think that he's that big of an upgrade over Pavel Zaka? Because their numbers this year are nearly identical. They're almost exact. You're talking Lindholm? Lindholm and Zaka, yeah. Because I, if you get if you get Lindholm, you're not going to put him as your two C. You're going to put him as your first line center, and you're adding a nine million dollar contract just to get the same point production as you're getting from Pavel Zaka. See, I'm I'm not going to lie, dude. Lindholm is a guy I think who needs a guy on his wing to really produce. Like I don't think he drives a line. I think he can add to a line, and I mean I don't necessarily even want. A center right now. I yeah. we we need a top six winger like back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and and that's what like I keep coming back to because I would love Lindholm, and I think that the name is flashy. His contract yeah. certainly is, but is he giving you that much more offensive production over Pavel Zaka is right now? Which sounds ridiculous, but I don't know if you have your numbers in front of you at the top of my head. They're almost identical, and if you're complaining about Jake DeBrusque not being able to drive his own line, which is where you need help on that second line. What's the point of adding another guy who can't drive his own line and then starting him into the line that doesn't need help? Like you need a second line winger to your point. If you add uh, Lindholm and you put him as your first line center, you're fixing a problem that wasn't already there. Like Pavel Zaka, he works on that first line for what it's worth. And you still have a hole on your second line wing. And you also have too many centers. So you have Lindholm, Zaka, Coyle, Patra, Frederick, Geeky, Beecher. Who's playing what? And I feel like that just, like, I think if you want to get Lindholm, it, you would either have to send somebody down, probably Beecher. Is Patra now your fourth line center? Are you putting Coyle on your fourth line? You're going to put Zaka back to wing because he's a hell of a lot better at center than he is at wing. And I don't know. Like, I, I, I would love to have Lindholm on this team despite everything I just said, I just don't think it makes sense. And that's why I think, to your point, I think they they visit a second-line winger over adding Lindholm. A hundred percent. Like, I, I obviously coming into the year, and for, for, for right reasons, the number one thing on everybody's mind was finding a replacement for Bergeron and Krejci. Little did we know Pavel Zaka was going to look this good at center in, in the number one role. Granted, I said this, I said this on Twitter um, someday this week and people were telling me like you know Pavel Zaka's not a 1C like he's not Matthews he's not Larkin he's not Shifley he's not all these guys who are superstars right like we don't need him to be a superstar he doesn't have to be a superstar he's producing at a good rate right now and if you get Lindholm you're right like it's basically adding another Pavel Zaka and where does that how does that shake up the lineup you need yeah. a, you need a winger dude like right now to allude to your previous point a couple minutes ago, right now, Elias Lindholm has 20 points through 32 games, seven goals, 13 assists. And on the opposite side, Pavel Zaka, 
26 games played, eight goals, 11 assists, 19 points. Um, he's averaging 18 minutes time on ice. And, and the way that Jim Montgomery coaches anyways, it's fluid. Like there isn't really like a number one line, number two line. It's all situational based, matchup based. Um, it's always fluid. Yeah. So and and to just reiterate what you just said too, I mean, Pablo Zaka and Elias Lindholm. Pablo Zaka's played what? Uh six less games. He has one more goal and and one less point. I mean, it, it he's better offensively this year than Elias yeah. Lindholm. And, and given Zaka has definitely has better players on his like if you if Elias Lindholm was playing with Pasta on his wing, I'm sure his numbers would be beefed up too. But the difference is that Pablo Zaka is making like almost half of what Lindholm's making. He's three years younger. And he's three inches taller. I would rather right now have Pavel Zaka on this team than Elias Lindholm in that contract and maybe use that money and use whatever trade pieces you were going to use to get Lindholm to get a second line right winger. We always say this, yeah. who that is, I don't know. That's why Don Sweeney gets paid the big bucks and we don't. But uh, Lindholm would be a nice shiny new toy, but I just think it's answering a question you don't need right now. And then, you, as we were just mentioning, it creates a whole collection of new problems you have to deal with with you know, your roster building and who's playing what and who's on what line and just doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And, and he's a UFE, UFE, he's a UFA after the season anyways. So you're going to have to pay him. Um, and who knows what that contract looks like. I think the Bruins are better off finding a top six winger. And I think you're in the same boat as I am. Get a winger, get a defenseman. Cause by the way, I mean, Matt Grizzick got hurt tonight again, in like the first 10 minutes of the game, um, you, as much as I love Grizzly, and I don't want to take this, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to have this taken as Grizzly bashing because I don't want to bash him. Matt Grizzly is a good defenseman, but with this team's needs right now and where they are on the defensive end, you have Charlie McAvoy. Um, he throws his weight around a little bit. You have Derek Forbert. He throws his weight around a little bit. Brandon Carlo's a stud. I literally, he's like the golden child. I would die for Brandon Carlo. (laughs) Dude, I would die for Brandon Carlo. Um, Lindholm is good. Uh, Obviously, Lorai coming up, he he has some flashes of really, really, really good play. Obviously, too, as a rookie, he has flashes of like, ooh, like that was rough. But he's he's a rookie. I think the top two needs of this team right now is a top six winger, specifically on the right side, and a left shot defenseman to replace Grizzly. And I like Grizzly. Don't get me wrong. I like Grizzly. I like what he brings. But come playoff time, when the game gets heavy, the game gets faster, the game gets more physical, He his game kind of bumps down a little bit. Now, let me ask you, since we're on the topic of trades, I know we're not at the DM question yet, but I would be remiss if I didn't read this one off. Ethan 2.0 at incredible. Mr. E seven had a hypothetical trade going around on Twitter last week. I wanted to read it to you to get your thoughts. Trade between the Bruins and the flyers. The Bruins sent Jake DeBrusque, Derek Forbert, in prospects slash picks to the Flyers for Sanheim and Frost. Frost is interesting. He's what had are your con- So Frost has had concussion issues. Um, Sanheim, I wouldn't mind. 
I don't know if I want to give up Jake DeBrusque for that package. And it also depends on what prospect, too. Now, if you're talking Flyers, though, and the Flyers have been humming, dude. Under John Tortorella, the Flyers are playing good. So I don't even know if they're going to make any you know, trade deadline sells of any of their pieces. I mean, Sean Walker and Nick Sealer, I read a report on, on a Bleacher Report today. They're one of the top five defensive pairings in the league, and, and Nick – Nick Sealer and Sean Walker. And those are two of my trade targets. Um, but being the Flyers in the position that they're in right now, I don't even think – they might be buyers at the deadline. They might not even be selling. Because um, right now, um, the the Philadelphia Flyers are in second in their division behind the New York Rangers. Um, they're 17-10-3, 37 points. They have a goal differential of plus 11 um, they've let in one of the, the lowest goals against in the league at 79 goals against, um, in comparison, the Bruins are at 73. Um, I, I don't even know if Philly's going to be selling, so that might not even be an option. Now, to, to Ethan's point, though, of Travis Sanheim and uh, Morgan Frost, if they are going to sell off some pieces, maybe those two are on the block. Um, I don't know if I'd be opposed to it. Just not for that price. I think the price is a little bit heavy, especially because you're already weak on on top six wingers, right? And I know Morgan Frost could come in there and kind of help out. But, again, he's had his injury history as well. And weirdly enough, Jake DeBrusque is kind of a playoff performer in the past. Who the, yeah. who the hell knows what happens this year if they make it? But Did you see um, that thing you were just referencing with uh, that pairing that you like? Did you see that... Uh, Radko Gudis and Vakanainen are like the third highest rated defensive pairing in the NHL this year. Yeah. Right, dude. Radko Gudis is a beast. Maybe. He really is, dude. Dude, with the way that Anaheim is going, maybe he becomes available. If Radko Gudis becomes available, you you grab him. You yeah. you you get him. I would I I feel like uh like Radko Gudis is like the master template of like who we who we're looking for for that yeah. that third line defenseman, and we're like, well, we can't have Gudis, so let's get Zadorov, <laughs> let's get Sanheim. Like we're just coming, like we're trying to find names. And if Gudis becomes available, that would be great. I don't know what his contract is like though, and I I wouldn't want to empty out the the checkbook just to get Radko Gudis in here as your third defensive pairing. But if you can get rid of Forbert and maybe add another minor piece or two to get. Radko Gudis over here heading into the playoffs. I'd be all for it because we all saw the way that he was able to, uh, for what it's worth, he was a difference maker last year in the playoffs for Florida. And he wasn't uh, like, um, whatever, I forgot his name, the defenseman who was scoring in like eight straight games, whatever the hell it was. And he's not going to be like, Montour? Was it Montour? there it is. Yep, Montour. He's not, he wasn't like Montour and in, in scoring every single game. He's not like, you know, Makachuk and leading the team and seemingly everything. He was the, he was the vibe bringer. He was the one who was setting the tone every game. And damn yep. it, I want that in the Bruins locker room come playoff time. Yes, and that's, I mean, I know, you know what's funny? Yes, I got roasted for Garland, but I didn't really get, quote-unquote, roasted for Zadorov. I think a lot of people understood what I was saying when I was mentioning Zadorov. And he's obviously off the market. Um, but, I mean, right now, Radko Gudis, he signed a three-year deal with Anaheim worth $4 million a year. So um, I don't know if you necessarily want to have him in at that contract. I mean, I, I would take it. 
based on what this team needs. But again, what would it cost to bring him here? Anaheim just signed him through a three-year deal. He's probably part of their plan to kind of set the the culture in Anaheim with the young group that they have, protect their young guys in Zegers, Carlson. Uh, I guess you could kind of throw in Terry there. The other defenseman, Mitchikov, I mean, I don't know if they're going to deal him. But uh, like you said, the archetype of Radko Gudis is literally what we've been preaching about, you know, what this team needs on the back end. You have too many soft guys on the back end. And I know there's going to be some people who are saying, you know, that kind of mentality is a little bit archaic. But is it really? What team made it to the Stanley Cup Finals last year? A team with Matthew Kachuk, um, Nick Cousins, Radko Gudis, and and guys on the other side in Vegas with guys like, you know, Colasar, um, Petrangelo. Um, uh, Go fight. Was, was Ryan Reeves still on that team too at that point? I, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, no, no, no. I don't think he was. But still, I mean, you need those nope. guys. Pat Maroon just got in a fight. It was yeah, it was Patty and uh, Watherspoon. Oh wait, no, was that? Ju- yeah, that is Pat. What's he doing fighting Watherspoon? Has he got four inches on him? Jesus. Damn. Uh, yeah, I know. I get your point though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. But um, you want to jump into the voicemails? Yes, the, we have AK AK the Lovell line. The Lovell line, yeah. He gave us three more this week. Oh yeah. The first one, this is at Saturday at eleven AM. So this is the night after the Islanders game. And a couple hours before not a couple hours. Eight hours before Puck Drop of the Bruins Rangers. Um hang on. All right, listen here, you fucking loser, scumbag, jabroni, jackwagon. I'm fucking sick of the Matt Grizzly slander. Oh, He's a oh. good defenseman. He doesn't make that much, 3.6. Excellent, excellent skater. Great in transition. Great in the breakout. He's a good defenseman. Fuck off with all the, oh, dude, he sucks, man. Parking shit from the San Jose. Oh, Trey Grizzly. Fuck you! culture i've never i've never understood that like i'm sure i probably sound hypocritical right now because of Derek forbert but that's always been all jokes 
And I've always, I like, I want these guys to be good. I don't want to have to trade Derek Forbert. Matt Grizzick is a Boston Bruin. I love that guy to death. I want him to do well. I will always have his back. And until he screws the Bruins, I will be banging the drum for Matt Grizzlick. That game against the Rangers the other night <laughs> in overtime, lost to the game. I will say that much. Lost to yes. the game. Three on three overtime. Controller died. Trocek is just standing right behind him. Easy goal. He lost to that game. I'll give you that. I'll, I will say that. But I, it seems like the last week or so has been really tough for Grizzlick. Everybody on Twitter is just begging the Bruins to get rid of this guy. When Grizzlick is on, he's on. He's a top four defenseman when, when he's being consistent, when he's playing well. He's been fighting injuries. He has stuff going on. I would understand why he's been in a bit of a slump. He has not played good hockey in the last week and a half or so. I would I want him to turn that around, and that's why I'm not saying to trade Grizzlick, and I'm not saying, you know, to Lovell's point, he's our guy. We're backing our guy because I want Grizzlick to get back to playing the, the hockey that he's capable of because when he is, that top pairing of him and, and McAvoy, it's awesome. offense, o- offensive weapon. I mean, the chemistry is, unba- is unbearable. He's a good defenseman. He's a solid defenseman. He's just had a really rough couple weeks or so. So let's hope he can turn it around because the Bruins need him. Although, it, did he come back in this game tonight, or is he still out? I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. But jeez. Oh, I mean, but here's the, okay. So here's the thing in Louisville. Like just to, just to say something really quick. Like like we mentioned before in our earlier conversation, Matt Grizzlick is good. He's a good defenseman, and we were not like we don't say he's bad, but. Does he bring what this team needs? Like, is is is, is like? Ooh. That's what I'm saying. Does he bring what the team needs, or can you upgrade? That's what I'm saying. I love Matt Grizzlick. I love everything about Matt Grizzlick. You're right. He's a hometown boy. His dad literally works for the Ice Crew. Like, he's a great player. But when you're talking about when it gets to the playoffs, I mean, we saw him tonight. He he got bumped and he got hurt. When it gets to the playoffs, is he a playoff type player or are we just going for regular season records again? That's what I'm saying. I love Matt Grizzlick. I do. But if you can upgrade him and make this team stronger, heavier, and and harder to play against when it really matters, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, but you might have to do it. That's what I'm saying. I want to close that with I love Matt Grizzlick. I truly do. And I always hey, have. We're big Matt Grizzlick guys on the pod. Don't be mistaken. Yes. Um, and this is totally not related at all. But I'm watching the Bruins game right now. And I know I've, I've mentioned this to you before. But I want to know if anybody else has recognized how short Jake DeBrusque's stick is. It's tiny. It is so <laughs> short. Why is he playing with so short of a stick? He's playing with a new hockey stick. Has he thought about using a longer one? Like maybe that's why he can't find the back of the net. His stick is too short. He's using Nathan Nathan Gerby's stick out there. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. This is from um, today at 5.35 p.m. It's a minute and 47 seconds. This one is girthy. All right, Lobel. Sorry, hang on. Got a little story for you guys here. Followed by a question. I was talking to my dad. He reminded me of, uh, I was probably six, 
And uh, he brought me to that, like, Bruins carnival thing. They used to do, like, a fan fest. They put, like, the rubber over the ice and everything. And then they brought out the players. Like, I remember I was playing, like, I think I played, like, Sean Thornton in, like, NHL 08 for, like, a period. And then there was another one. I want to say, like, like, this was too late in his career. But uh, I feel like air hockey was, like, someone like Glenn Murray or something like that. But then there was one station. There was one station, right, where it was Andrew Raycroft. He was in his uh, leg pad, walker, and glove, and a stick. He was standing in front of the net. There's a tennis ball. So all the little kids can shoot on Andrew Raycroft. And I went up there, right? My dad brought me up. He's like, go take some shots on Razor. All right, Dad, check this out. And then, so I wound up saying clap bomb at Andrew Raycroft. And he just let him go by. He was pissed. He was, like, rolling his eyes. And then my dad was telling me, he, like, looked over at this dude in the suit. He was, like, it was probably his agent. He was just dying laughing. And then or my dad was laughing, too. So, uh. Yeah, stuff on that razor. I got some clap bombs past you. But uh, <laughs> that reminds me of my question. Uh, best interaction that you guys have had with a Bruins player, or if you've ever had like an interaction with a player? Yeah, let me know. Um, that's a good question. I met so I met Nathan Horton in 2012. That was awesome. Um, he's such a good dude, but weirdly enough it's it's not a player but one that i was so hyped about um i met jack edwards in his prime and i was over the i had him sign my jersey i had two people sign my jersey chris kelly was on the left shoulder and jack edwards was on the right shoulder right over the heart baby (laughs) let me see if i can pull up the picture Um, i thought you were gonna say um when you were at Adam McQuaid's press conference and you asked him a question and your voice cracked. Oh yeah, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think I have, I don't think I've, I, I've ever met a Bruins player, but I do have that story with Kyrie Irving. Should I tell it or is it too long? Um, you can tell it quick. All right. I, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I've mentioned it to a bunch of people before. Marty, if you're listening, I already know what you're going to say. Just fast forward through this part. I was at a Celtics game a couple years ago when Kyrie Irving was still in the Celtics. I went with my dad. We were sitting like nine rows up from, from the parquet. I think we got the tickets for my mom's work. I've never sat that close to a sporting event in my life. It was awesome. It was so cool. And we got there before the game started. And the Celtics were playing the Pelicans. And Kyrie Irving was doing his warm-ups. He was my favorite player. I'm there. I'm wearing his jersey. This was before he went totally crazy. And and I hated him. But he was, you know, he started from the opposite. So I'm, I'm, we're pretty much sitting half court. Kyrie Irving is standing on the opposite side of the court. And he's just, you know, dribbling the ball through his legs. And now he's coming towards me. Sorry, I'm trying to mute my TV. He's dribbling the ball through his legs. He's coming towards me in, in my direction. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Kyrie Irving. i like. You know, elbow my dad. Dad, that's Kyrie Irving. He's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Kyrie Irving comes right up to courtside, right where the scorer's table are. So he's maybe 20 feet from me. He looks me dead in my eyes, dead in my eyes, Sully. He blows me a kiss. <laughs> I swear to God, you already know the story. But he blew me a kiss. I was like, what the hell? What is 
hey, I'm like, is Kyrie flirting? Like, what the hell's going on right now? I, don't know. I, was, I was a little confused. I was like, I, I mean, all right, shit, I love Kyrie, not like that. But and then, uh, and then, like, so the game started, and I'm like, why? Like, why did Kyrie Irving, like, a, a crowd full of people, why did he just single me out and blow me a damn kiss? So I was trying to figure out the entire game. My dad's trying to talk to me. I'm not listening. Like, he's talking about the game. Like, dad, you, Kyrie Irving just blew me a kiss. I got to figure out why this guy is doing this to me. So I'm looking around. And uh, there was at one point the uh, the stadium. They played a song. They played like some Drake song. And the guy behind me like leans over to the lady next to him. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna have to tell Kyrie they played that song that he likes." And I was like, "What? Does this guy know Kyrie? What the heck's going on?" I'll fast forward. To make a long story short, I ended up finding out that the person sitting behind my dad was Kyrie Irving's agent, and the person sitting directly behind me was Kyrie Irving's sister with Kyrie's daughter on her lap. And she was a toddler. She was maybe like three or four. So like I'm sitting here, you know, I'm a dumbass. I'm sitting there in my jersey. And Kyrie, <laughs> Kyrie's daughter's head is maybe like a foot or two above mine because she's just a little girl. And Kyrie wasn't blowing me a kiss. He was blowing his daughter a kiss, you know, right behind me. Thank God I didn't blow him one back because that would have been awkward. But <laughs> but that was the wildest uh, experience I had was when I thought Kyrie Irving was blowing me a kiss at a Celtics game just to find out it was to his daughter who was sitting right behind me. But I will say one last thing. What was really cool was that um, I was wearing my Kyrie Irving jersey, as I mentioned. And before I knew who was sitting behind me and the way that I cracked the code was because the Celtics posted a picture of Kyrie Irving walking into the court walking in pregame on Instagram and the guy who was sitting behind my dad was walking in with him. And I also Googled his sister and I was like, Oh wait, yeah, that's Kyrie's sister. Anyways. Um, his daughter at one point was tr- using her finger to trace Irving, the last name on my back. And I was like, that's kind of annoying. Don't touch me. But it was, Ky- it was she was tracing her own last name. That was Kyrie's daughter. So I thought that that was really cool. That was a cool experience. I will say, and this I, this one just popped up in my head too. Um, last year, I was sitting up in the ninth floor, and and um, I'm, intermission. I went to go to the bathroom, right? And the bathroom's up there. It's one stall, two urinals, like a little private bathroom, whatever. And so intermission hits. I go to take a pee. And it's just me in the bathroom, right? And I don't know if you know the story or not. I'm pretty sure I told you the story, but I'm not sure. And so I, whatever, was going pee in the urinal, just me. And the door opens up and this massive unit of a man stands in the urinal next to me. And obviously I didn't like look up at like him or anything but like i did like a did quick little head. no i did a quick <laughs> i did a quick little head turn and i immediately shot back like it was the quick i think i gave myself whiplash with how quick i whipped my head back straight it was freaking it was cam neely and me in the bathroom just whizzing and i was like dude like wh- what do i do here <laughs> i didn't say anything i just washed my hands <laughs> i just washed my hands and got out of there how you doing, Seabass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's probably um that's probably the two that stick out to me. But I did find the pictures, so I don't know if you can see Mel and whoever's gonna be ended up ended up watching this on you know on YouTube. But that's a picture of us and Horton. Oh and then, yeah, I've seen that. And then that's us with Jack Edwards. So oh my god you're like a fetus in that picture i know dude i mean i was like 17 i think 16 or 17 what no you weren't yes 
Oh my God, Saul. Jesus Christ. Dude, I, I was a late bloomer. What can I say? <laughs> I don't think I don't think I have any other uh Oh! I've told this one before as well, but what uh you and I both worked at FMCI Sports and when they had the grand opening of uh the Ho- I think it was the Hopedale rink. Um I went over to work, I helped, and uh Renee Rencourt was there. He because uh FMCI Sports, they partner with the Boston Bruins to do that that B Fundamentals thing. It's like a learn to skate hockey thing for little kids. And yeah. Renee Rencourt came and he brought his Stanley Cup ring and he let me try it on. And I joked and said, I'm going to run out of here with it. And he did not find it funny. <laughs> I'll never joke with a celebrity again. But uh, I have a picture somewhere. I don't feel like finding it. But that was pretty cool. But that was a good question from Lobo. We have one more. He called again about uh, a half hour later. Uh, this one is about a minute long. What's up, the Garden on Saturday? Fortunately, the Bees dropped one in OT to the Rangers, but I was killing it in the stands. <laughs> the balcony, that is. Uh, and breaking out my one silly joke I always have uh, to make everyone chuckle around me. So, like, whenever Jeremy or Venus plays the puck or they're, like, stick handling it or a bunch of that, I'm like, shoot it! Shoot it, Jeremy! Shoot it, Venus! <laughs> And everyone around me was seated up, getting a good chuckle from everybody. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that reminds me, do you guys have, like, a really joke? You guys are always yelling at the game, or are you guys, like, a, like are you yelling, or are you just kind of, like, sitting back and watching? Are you, you guys one of those fans? Do you just, you know, letting chirps fly? What kind of beast fan are you guys? I want to know. Well... I, I don't think I have any like go-to jokes, but dude, we, us three and whoever else wants to join for sure has to go to a game at some point this season together. But I'm definitely like, you know me, Mel, like I don't necessarily like, I can't get into like heavy conversations, right? Like I'm pretty glued to the ice, but I'm yelling, I'm getting excited. Like, and I kind of feed off everyone else around me too. I'm, I'm definitely not quiet. I'm not quiet. Yeah. You know, I'm. Uh, that would be a lot of fun, first of all. Just uh, you and I going to a game with Lovell would be a lot of fun. I oh need to God, see this yeah. shuffle. I need, I need to see him start chanting. Uh, <laughs> that would be so funny if he was yelling out every time, swaying it over <laughs> the puck. Um, but I'm, I'm more the exact opposite, where uh, I just talk to everyone around me. I know uh, when we were at the, the Toronto game with like Brett and Marissa and Boosie and Marty and Amanda and all of them, I probably saw maybe three minutes of game time because I was just like looking around talking. I was I, some, the guy next to me was really nice. We were talking about uh, the playoffs last year and everything. We're talking about fantasy football. Um, that's the kind of fan I am. I'm really not one to like chant and hoot and holler and like brew and score. I'm jumping up. I'm going crazy. Honestly, if I get enough alcohol in me, I, I might be yelling louder than the refs blowing the whistle. But for the most part, uh, while you're glued to the ice, I'm, probably yapping your ear off about something that's the kind of fan i am <clears throat> i'm a talker baby yeah um i just get i like i go there for the atmosphere that's why like honestly that's why i like the bleachers better than down yeah. low because you can get out there with the creatures dude like i'm a creature are you kidding me i'm a bleacher creature and I'm gonna i be love a- it i'm gonna be honest when i go to the bruins games i'm I, i'm i think i'm more excited about the beers in the atmosphere than I am about actually like B 
being there and watching the game as weird as that sounds like i love i love the i hate traffic but like i love going to the garden and i love you know like when you walk outside and, and you go up those stairs into the garden i love that and everybody's wearing their jerseys and everybody's get you know the adrenaline's going everybody's getting excited i love when you have like a half hour before the game starts and the lines aren't too bad you can go grab a sam adams you can grab some tenders i love when you get to your seats before the other people arrive and there's nobody in your row and you can kind of spread out you know you watch the zambonis on the ice the organs doing his thing and i love that part and then i love when the game starts and everybody's going oh and ah in unison together like i i love the atmosphere and experience of being at the game and i think i I like that more than actually watching the game i just love being with my people and that's why the bleacher creatures are my people and that's why every time i go i sit in the 300s yep dude it's the best um but yeah shout out to lovell for the for the lovell line as is now officially dubbed the king is the kid is the king like it's not even close like he's the number one caller um we um so if we're jumping into the DMs, we got another banger from Jack. Oh, hell yeah. Sorry, Jack. You can follow Jack on Twitter at AJackB underscore. Jack said, hey, team. <clears throat> a couple of take a couple of takeouts from the last couple of games. First is that it's a relief to see the scoring spread out a bit and not relying on O-Captain, my captain, and Pasta to get us the goals. Second is how casual is Pasta in the shootout? Just glides on in and rifles it to the back of the net. None of the fancy stuff just gives off a real let's-go-home vibe. Third is that it's amazing to see Pasta throwing his weight around a bit, giving me a slither of Ovechkin vibes and that he's obviously a star player, but is also happy to throw his body around. Do you guys reckon that's a result of him getting pissed that there's nobody on his team really throwing themselves around as much as we laugh about him the baby face assassin connor clifton did did do that for us last year leading the team in hits obviously we had felino who would cash who would crash into people and rearrange their face if needed as well and i think we're missing his influence we lost two big hitters and acquired jvr who was delivered in a delorean given how well he's playing to sit (laughs) in the power play as well as he shoots he scores and snipe him so in no way am i complaining didn't snipe him that's pretty good yeah, I like that. Question this week comes from mentioning Felino and is amazing. Well, what do you want me to do? Pound his effing face in hot mic last year. What is the best comment you've ever heard from on the ice? This can either be a hot mic from the NHL or from a game you yourselves have played in. Playing football, and then in parentheses, soccer, I heard some belters. One of my favorites was someone came on wearing a pair of knee braces once, so naturally our whole team called him Tony Hawk all game. We also came up against someone who was dreadful, so we kept asking if they won a competition to play a game for the team all match, which was a fun one. From the professional game, Ibrahimovic once said about a player, what he can do with a football, I can do with an orange, which which I rate highly. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Hope you guys have an amazing Christmas and New Year. I'm lucky. I'm a teacher, so I get two weeks off. So I'm also seeing family for Christmas, and I'm on holiday for New Year. So I'm not sure if I'll manage to give you my running train of thoughts about the Bruins until the new year. Oh, well, first of all, Jack, um, it's awesome that you're a teacher. That's one of the most um, – Teachers are superheroes. Yeah, in my mind, the most respectable jobs out there. I mean, you guys don't get enough credit for what you do. Shaping the young minds, having fun doing it. I mean, some of the some 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 of the most looked up to people in my life have been my my teachers as I was growing up. So honestly, shout out to you. Um, But Mel, in terms of the chirps, you actually got a pretty good one last night thrown your way. But I don't think we can say it on the podcast. Oh no! Screw it. Yeah. So Sorry. first of all, 
my foot hurts so badly. We had a we had our men's league game last night, and um, I'm a defenseman, and this kid was coming down right. This little this little brunt, and he was coming. He was looking right at me. He was maybe <laughs> ten feet from me. And what does he do? He just cocks back and takes a slap shot. You would have thought it was Jeremy Lazan. The guy just fired it right at me, and I I went to block the shot. Albeit he was trying to get it on net, and I was blocking the shot. But you know, I squared up to it. I put my feet together, and it hit me right on the top of my foot. Yeah, if you've dude. ever played hockey, you know there are two places you don't want to get hit with a puck when it's shot. Other than your nuts, the top of the foot, <laughs> the, the top of the foot, and the side of the foot, those hurt like a bitch. And this one hit me dead on top of the foot, hurt like hell. The funny part was, as soon as it hit me, the puck bounced to the corner, and now like I'm hopping on one foot. I'm like, holy shit, I can't put any weight on my foot. But like, you know, you got to take one for the team. So I'm still out there. I turn around, I'm I'm whacking the guy with my stick. He goes around the back of the net. I'm like, oh, I'm going to follow this bitch. So I go to the front of the net and then he passes the puck off to the defenseman who's cutting through the slot. He gets the puck, shoots it, bang, right off the same foot, right on top of my foot in the exact same spot. I just took that last shot. I think I screamed. As soon as the puck hit me, it flew above the glass, hit the net, ref blew the whistle i was like holy hell i'm seeing sounds and i'm hearing colors right now i want to die it hurts so badly and uh so the ref you know like everybody's going over to the face off dot i'm pretty much standing on one leg the ref is like are you good i'm like yeah no i'm fine he's like all right all right and then the kid on the other team was like hey yeah he's fine i'm sure he gets hit harder than that at home (laughs) (laughs) i I audibly dude i audibly laughed and i was like i laughed too i forgot my foot hurt i was like oh that was pretty funny (laughs) i was like i I looked at him i was like that was that was good (laughs) good you and i have both i mean played hockey our entire lives i mean that's one of the tamer ones I've ever heard. Most of the yeah. stuff that has been said to me and that I've said, I probably can't say on this podcast. Um, but I'm trying to think if there are any other, I, I can't think of any funny ones I've been a part of in person that I can say off the top of my head. I do know one of the classic ones is the, um, the, I think it was, I think it was Claude Giroux when he was getting in the, in the fight, um, I don't remember. Who, I think they're playing the Red Wings, and he would call that guy a pigeon. It's yep. like the famous clip that everybody sees. And he's like, "Oh, you're." Oh no, it was um. Was it? Was it, was it Claude Giroux? It was Claude Giroux. Oh, there was somebody. I don't know. And and he, damn it, I don't remember his name. But I think he was. You go. You go. I need to get my train of thought. I'm all. I'm scatterbrained right now. <laughs> the the best. I mean, the king of chirps is probably Sean Thornton has to be up there, right? And when they first started making up the players, um. Some guy was challenging Thornton, and uh, he said he like challenged him in the fight. And the guy was backing off, and he was like, "Come on, like you could pick the hand I beat the fuck out of you with." And I was like, "Oh, oh yeah," fuck. I was like, "That was fucking good." Like that's, <laughs> that's a good one. The one that I was gonna say now that I've my brain is not scrambled and I can put coherent thoughts together is um i think it was somebody on detroit i don't remember his name but i can picture his face and uh he was chirping somebody i think they were playing like st louis and it was like a tv timeout and both teams were kind of at their bench just talking and this guy in the red wings on the bench was chirping the guy in the blues the guy in the blues was like yapping his you know yappy yappy yapping and uh the guy in the red wings like oh you know you've been in the monitors longer than me and the guy was laughing and then he was like oh go dye your hair 
And it was yeah. just the, the, the way that he said it was so funny. And the, the guy was pissed. He didn't even know. He was like, like he yeah. didn't know what to say. He just kind of took off. <laughs> Dude, I'm pretty sure, actually, I think that was Matt Martin. I think that was yes, Matt Martin Matt on Martin. the Islanders. Matt Martin. Yeah. You're right. Yes, yes. Yes. And uh, I used to always love the clips of uh, Claude Giroux calling every. I think it was Claude Giroux. It might have been Couturier calling everybody a pigeon. Like, oh, you're yeah. a pigeon. And then we do the... Like <laughs> start making the pigeon noises. Yeah. <laughs> I never got that. I don't understand why they say pigeon. Like, what does pigeon mean? I don't know. Just the use it's just bird. Yeah, yeah, it, made, it made me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if this doesn't work out, we could just be voice actors. Um, <laughs> but um, shout out to Jack, dude. Um, again, I hope you have a good holiday. Um, enjoy your two weeks off away from school and, and Definitely recalibrate. Definitely two weeks well deserved. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so thank you for everything that you do. But um, let's jump into some of these questions that we got. We got one from our boy Brett, obviously over at Only Bruins. Um, <clears throat> give him a follow at... Um, I don't want to get it wrong. At Brett Howard underscore. He said, when do you give Lysel the attaboy call up? We kind of alluded to it earlier. I don't necessarily know. I honestly, with all this conversation happening around him, happening, happening around him now. And the way that we were talking about it and how I kind of came to the conclusion that he's just saying, you know, screw it. Like, I'm just going to go balls to the wall. I don't care anymore. I think you call him up sooner rather than later. Let's just see what he's got. If you're gonna call these guys, these guys up, anyways, give him a shot. Yeah, I mean, I would love to just see like uh, it doesn't have to be like a Lori thing where he's up for like ten games or something and he keeps going up and down. Like, I just want to see what he can do. Let the kid get his like. I feel like he's again. I'm not tapped into Providence, so I'm not. I haven't been following him every game, but I feel like he's at least deserved a shot to just come up here and play a couple games like give him the nhl experience this guy like you need this guy to be if you need him to hit you need him to be a top six winger like you need him to pay off and like let him get his feet wet let him see what the nhl experience is all about and if you're that concerned that he's not playing the right way in providence have him come up here and get a taste of what it's like to be an nhl player and i guarantee you he will do whatever it takes to get back here like this just give him a shot. And like, I don't know if it's going to take uh, an injury for him to get a shot. I don't know if it's something like, you know, JVR is getting old. Give him a healthy scratch one night. Let him take a night off and call up Lysel. Like, who cares? I don't know if that's what it's going to be, but I really want to see him come up here and play a game or two. Because like we were saying, he's never played a game, a regular season game for the Boston Bruins before. I want to see what the kid can do. I say give him a th- like a like three games in a row. Give him three games in a row. I want to see what he looks like. Because yes, one game is a sample size, but it's a very small sample size. You're not going to get a whole picture. Two games, you're going to get a better one. Three games is a full like, okay. Like this is a pretty clear picture as of right now of what we'll get. And he, I, I think he deserves it, dude. I think he deserves it. Get this, Get him up here and let's see what we got. Sit, I don't know, sit, not necessarily like Heinen, but like give JVR a rest day and then give uh, Lauko a rest day. And then after that, give Heinen a rest day and have Lysel be the sub in those spots and just see what he can bring. Um, I want to I, I want to see him. I actually think it's kind of crazy that he hasn't been called up yet, but I, know. I guess we'll find out soon enough. He should be. Um 
Just a matter of time. But shout out, Brett. Shout out, Only Bruins. Shout out to the Primetime Preview Live show. Uh, make sure you join on Friday. We'll be live um, for that game. But our last DM of the night comes in from Hannah. You can follow her at Patra Lover. She said, honest thoughts on the love of my life. King Danton Heinen. Honest mm. thoughts, Mel. Honest thoughts. Dude, I love him. I love him. If he, he's... Can he be multiple people's kings? Sure. Are we? We can all be living in the same country. I don't, I don't know. You know what it can be? It can, you know, it can be like, um, like uh, colonial England when they just like own the entire world. <laughs> like he's all of our kings. Stan Hyden. He's been fantastic since he came on the Bruins. He has been. Um, I feel like I can confidently say that even the Bruins didn't expect that they were going to get this much out of Dan Hyden, and I think the rest of the NHL can as well because we've mentioned this before first couple weeks of the season he was just chilling in Boston unsigned waiting for the Bruins to give him a call I'm sure there are 31 other teams in the league right now who are looking at Dan Hine and going damn it we should have gave him a call the first couple weeks of the year when he was sitting in Boston because yeah. he's been put walk in the back of the net he's been driving plays he's been playing great two-way hockey I mean it, it he's exactly what the Bruins have needed and especially with the injuries that they've had this year he's come up huge for them we I, that game the other night against Arizona I mean that's a team that I know that they just slaughtered the last five consecutive Stanley Cup champions but that's a team that the Bruins should be able to beat especially God forbid do I say a matinee on home ice and that was the game that was quickly getting away from the Bruins when they had a 2 nothing lead get dwindled down and tied 2-2 in like a span of a minute and a half and then King Danton Heinen answered and said, don't worry, fellas, I got us. And went like freaking bar down and uh, helped propel the Bruins to victory. So he's doing all the little things for the Bruins right now. And he's more in his contract too is ridiculous. He's making like 750K. He's doing everything the Bruins have needed him to do and more. Love King Danton Heinen. Yeah, no, Danton Heinen has been one of the, I don't even want to say unsung because People realize how good he's been for this team, but he's been a We're singing major, his song now. Yeah, he's been a major, major, major reason why this team is is clicking the way that it is. Um he's he's versatile. You can throw him, you know, on any line essentially, and he's gonna work. He's reliable, he's smart, um, and you can utilize him in his game in so many ways. Um Danzen Heinen, we are so glad to have you back in this team. Um it's it's, it's a blessing. We all know that twelve is going to the rafters. Yeah, Craig Smith. Know, Craig Smith. We know that Jack Edwards' jacket will be hanging in the rafters. Absolutely. Do you think that, uh, like, the Bruins are calling up their guy and saying, "Hey, you know, take out H E I N, another E and another N." And get ready to go because the banner's going up pretty soon the way Dan Hine has been playing. Do you think <laughs> that they're making that call right now? What do you think's going on? I think I what I think and the reason why Danton Heinen's start to the season was delayed is because Don Sweeney and Cam Neely brought him into the front office and they said, Hey, listen, Danton, Danton, buddy, listen. You sign this contract right here. And I can guarantee you that your number will be sitting up in the rafters for for eternity next to Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, and the rest of the guys. Willie O'Ree, freaking Mil Schmidt, Craig Smith, Jack Edwards' jacket. (laughs) (laughs) 
Beans. Beans. <laughs> yeah. No. No, I love Danton Hyde. I, I, I fucking love what he brings to this team. He's been amazing. And it seemed like when he was on Pittsburgh, they unlocked part of his game that he didn't have on Boston. Um, I think he had 18 goals and he was in Pittsburgh. He was an incredibly productive player. And it seemed like the Bruins kind of had a knack of having bottom six players go to other teams and then suddenly explode. Frank Vitrano was another beautiful example of that. And I think that it's nice that one of those guys managed to come back and he's performing that way here in Boston as well. Dan Heinen, for what it's worth, I've never seen him play like this when he was in Boston before. And I'm happy he came back for his second stint. And I don't know if the Bruins are going to extend him. I hope they do. And I hope he's around more than just this year. But we talking about Jake DeBrusque and every game he plays, his number seems to go down. I think Dayton Hine is the exact opposite. Every game he plays at numbers ticking up. So I'm curious to see what he's going to fetch in free agency next year. Who's going to give him what number and what his role will be on his next team. Hopefully he stays with the Bruins. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and don't forget, too, I mean, in college, Danton Heinen played for uh, Jim Montgomery at the University of Denver. So there's a connection there. And that might be um, a major reason why we got him on this team. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, episode 71 of the Something's Brewing podcast, um, end of the second period right now between the Minnesota Wild and the Boston Bruins. Um Matt Potra gone. He's with Team Canada at least until January second. So, and and that's the other thing too. Like his, the break for that is not a very long time. Like he'll be good. Like it's fine. The team's gonna be fine. Like let him off. Let him cook and let him kind of you know let him have fun. Let him have some fun out there. Yeah, and you know what? We're, we're we're spoiled. We get to see him every Bruins game night, unless he's a healthy scratch. It's time we let we we share his his game with the rest of the world damn it i want i want canada and i want the rest of the world to see this special talent on the bot that the bruins have in matthew potter and uh he's earned this opportunity he deserves this opportunity and i'm excited to see him play on the biggest stage of his career up to this point yep yeah no i am too dude but um yeah so i mean the bruins right now obviously playing against minnesota um, up until next game, there's actually only two games um, until next episode. So quick re- quick little prediction, Bruins at Winnipeg Friday. Actually, you know what? Let's finish with this game. Bruins up right now 2-1. to one. I'm going to say the Bruins hold on to win 4-1 because they were kind of all over Marc-Andre Fleury there the last six or seven minutes of the period. Yep, I'm, I'm in the same exact boat. Wait, here's the question. Do you think Pasta has two goals? Do you think he gets a hat trick tonight? I bet he gets a hattie. Dude, he's he's there was a sequence of about ten seconds. He he had like four shots in a row on net. He fired one of them from the corner behind the goal line. He's feeling it tonight. Yeah, I think he gets a hat trick. You know what? I think he gets four. Four goals tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think he gets a third. The Bruins are up three one. I think the Wild pull their goalie, and I think he nets his fourth. I'm honestly, I would not hate that. I would. Why would I say that? I obviously would love that. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, I don't know. actually, that seems a little selfish of him. Spread the fuck <laughs> out a little bit, Pasta. Uh, yeah, so we both have the Bruins winning this one, four to one. Um, Bruins at Jets. No Kyle Connor. Sucks driving to go flying to Winnipeg before Christmas. Just kidding. I love it, Bobby. From the I'm. Um, I love. Sorry. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. Three nothing win Bruins. Shut out. I'm gonna say three to two win in overtime. Oh wow. Um, okay. And then again, the final game before Christmas, Bruins at Wild. 
Mm. Based on tonight, three two. I'm gonna say three two loss because the wow. Bruins always. No, listen, the Bruins always struggle when they play a team twice in the span of about ten days. It's That's happened. Fair. It happened earlier this year. Uh, who do they play? Uh, I don't. If it was a Philly or was it Detroit? It might have been Detroit. Oh, it, it was Detroit because the same thing happened last year as well. Yeah, where they played Detroit the second time in like a week and a half and got thumped. So um, I don't think that they would get thumped, but I'll say the Wild win that one. All right. I'm I'm going to say that the Bruins win that one five to one. I feel like that'll be a skunking. Ooh, wild, I hope you're wild, right. Wild stink. Um, but yeah, so that's our three-game prediction leading up into the next episode. Um, Bruins are playing well right now. Obviously, Zaka and McAvoy are back. Um, no longer on the injured reserve. We'll all be rooting. Yeah, we'll all be rooting for Matthew Potter and Team Canada. Low key, you know, they're like our little friends to the north. We 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 like them when they have our guy too. So let's see him. <laughs> let's see him do well. Um, but. Yeah, episode 71 of the Something's Brewing podcast as always brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow our Twitter account at Bruin Something, no G at the end. We're also starting to put shorts on YouTube. You can follow that channel at Something's Brewing. And as always, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. With that being said... This is episode 71. 71 of the Something's Brewing podcast. 71 episodes, dude. That's 71 weeks. Does it feel like that to you? Does it feel like that to you? Not at all. No, it's so weird. Like I still uh like I'm still tripping up words and I'm still mixing up stats and like I'll, I'll listen back to an episode every Wednesday morning when they drop and I'll be like, "Oh, I got that wrong." Or like, oh, <laughs> pronounced his name incorrectly. Like, it's always something. You would think after 71 episodes we would have it down by now, but we don't. And we're still learning and growing, and we're still having just as much fun doing this thing over a year later than we did the very first episode we put out. So thank you to everybody who listens, who continues to listen. If you're new here, welcome. We're going to continue to put on another 71 plus more. And uh, hopefully we'll end this one off with a parade come June. So. Yeah. Yep. So uh, shout out to everybody listening. Obviously, happy holiday season. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. Um, happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. And, and you know, we hope you all have a good time spending with your family, your friends. Um, hopefully Santa brings you some uh, good gifts this year. But uh, with that being said, episode 71 of the Something's Brewing podcast, you can catch us on Apple. You can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on Google Play. Any listening platform out there, we are available for you to listen. If you like the show, um, please consider giving it a five-star rating on Spotify as that helps us grow a lot. Leave a review. Leave a funny review. Maybe we'll do like some segment called like Review of the Week where you just kind of <laughs> you, you, you – you leave a review on Apple or Spotify. We'll read it aloud on the podcast. Um, it helps grow the show, helps grow the community. Um, and that, you know, that's what we're always trying to do is, is bring everybody together and just kind of talk bees hockey. Um, so if you enjoy the show and you want to spread it out to your friends and your family, say, Hey, like, you know, I know this Bruins show. There's just two idiots talking about the Bruins. It's uh, it's called something's Bruin. Just throw it on and uh, take their phone. Maybe hit that subscribe button on their, on Spotify or Apple. But, um, 
No, but seriously, guys, thank you very much for all your support um, over this past year in 2023. It's been awesome. Um, it's been so much fun to to get to know people personally throughout the year. You know, we met Chris, um, obviously Boosie, Brett. We met we met them. Um, we've met multiple other people too. Um, you know, at the Garden in Boston, it's 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 been awesome, and it's been a part of the show experience that I didn't really expect either. And it's been one of my favorite parts. It's been great. Yeah, we not just uh, you know, it feels weird. Like I don't want to call them internet friends because you know. Really we we met them on the internet, like you know, some of the people that we've met from starting this podcast and just being on Twitter, like I mean, they're my friends for life. Like I I I talk to these people more than I do my own family members, more than I do at, at times, more than I do like yeah. friends that I've known since kindergarten. And it's crazy, like going into the garden, like you know, you're always the first person I ask to come, obviously. But then it's like, oh, I wonder if Boosie's gonna be around. Oh, when's Brett coming back from Canada? We can all go to a Bruins game together. Oh, who yeah. are we gonna see it? Like, you know, we go to the Bruins game and we're tweeting up. Here's my tenders. Come find us. <laughs> Come say hi. Like, it's a, it's a cool little community that you know we're a part of here. We're very happy to be uh, a part of this massive Bruins community, and we're excited to meet more of you. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, shout out to everybody. I just want to remind you at Primetime Prods um, on Twitter at Bruin Something on YouTube at Somethings Bruin on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan and again on Twitter from Mel at Nick Melanson underscore. Um, episode seventy one of the Somethings Bruin podcast. It's been a wild ride so far. It's been so much fun. It does not feel like seventy one weeks. Um, it, you know, time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. It's crazy. I knew you were. Gonna- say that <laughs> um but yeah so episode 71 of the something brewing podcast we'll be back with more hockey talk next wednesday morning make sure to get your dms in on on tuesday we'll obviously put out a tweet for that um but until then enjoy your holiday season enjoy some brewing hockey and we'll catch you all next week bye Should I play Christmas music in the beginning or no? Yeah. Or the ending. Should I close it out? Do both. Are you kidding me? I feel like I should close it out. All right. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> what song, <laughs> what song should I do? Oh, uh, mistletoe by Justin Bieber. Give me another one. Come on. Give me a classic. Give me a classic. Oh, um, oh. All I want for Christmas um, is you. No, no, no. Do uh, the John Lennon one. No, the war is over. Is that what it's called? I think so. I don't know if I've ever heard that one. I definitely have, but I don't know it by like name. Happy Xmas. War is over. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This one. So this is Christmas. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Everybody enjoy this song. So this is I love you all. And what have you done? Another year over. And you won't just be gone. And so this is Christmas. I hope you have fun.
so happy 